Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Dr. C. Anthony Pfaff and Julia L. E. Pfaff, authors of Academe and the Military, featured in Parameters Spring 2021 issue. Dr. Pfaff is a research professor for strategy, the military profession, and ethics at the U.S. Army War College's Strategic Studies Institute, and Julia Pfaff is an affiliate policy researcher with George Mason University's Shars School of Policy and Government. Thanks so much for joining me today. Let's just jump right in. In 1971, we published an article by Colonel Donald Bletz. For our anniversary issue, you two wrote a retrospective on the article, which was written in the later years of the Vietnam War. Now, he claimed there was a dysfunctional relationship, a distrust between the military and academia at their so-called points of convergence, and that it negatively affected national security decision-making processes surrounding the war. And in your article, you actually agreed with him about the nature of the relationship, including the roles each community sees for itself in society, the similarities, the differences between the two institutions. So if we could explore that, that'd be great. But also, can you just briefly talk about what are the points of convergence? I'll start. For Blitz, the two points of convergence was where cadets would go to universities, was ROTC, right? Where people who are going to be someday senior leaders in the military would go in for their college education while at the same time getting some of their military training. The next point of convergence was at uh, the level of policy, when academics and think tank types would migrate from academia, uh, particularly perhaps in times of crisis or when their expertise was particularly useful, into senior positions in national security policy making apparatus, whether that was the Department of Defense, whether that was the National Security Council. McNamara is a key figure in this and all the students and people that he brought in to kind of help rationalize Pentagon processes. That's another point of convergence and maybe convergence is the wrong word. There is convergence that goes on, but there's also a lot of friction, right? These are certainly points of contact. Convergence happens, but it's not perfect. When you talk about things like dysfunctions and relationships, it might be better to talk in terms of a dynamic. There's this dynamic that emerges at these points of convergence between these two communities, but you want to be careful about overgeneralizing this to all relationships and all contacts with the, between those communities, because there's also obviously a lot of points of cooperation. Gotcha. So can we talk a little bit about how each of these communities sees themselves in society? So the military, when Blutz was writing, it was before the all-volunteer. It was just prior to the draft ending and the United States going to an all-volunteer military, which basically meant that individuals self-selected into the military as opposed to being told to go into the military. And it has led to fewer and fewer people serving or having any real connection to the military in a direct way. Academia, you know, it's always been a sense of choice. Higher ed sees itself as generating knowledge. Universities today have somewhat of an identity crisis. Are they knowledge generating or are they performing a role in the greater society in terms of economics and preparation of young people for the workforce? The military sees itself as supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States. They are the guardians or the protectors of who we are and our way of life. Both see their roles as being very very important, the way the two institutions are governed, like how they organize themselves, greatly influences 
influences the way that members of the two institutions think about how the world works. There was a statement in your retrospective that was something along the lines of academics see themselves as uh, maybe smart, maybe not always. And I don't remember the word. It's not brave. That's what comes to mind. And the military sometimes is seen as very brave, but not always smart. Kind that of, was uh, that's uh, the point. Just to be clear, the interesting point I thought that Bletz made on this was both communities see themselves as defenders of American democracy and American society and preserving the core of what they perceive as core values of American society. And more importantly, they see each other as the antithesis of that, where the academics are prizing freedom of expression, innovation, exploration. They perceive the military doesn't as it being very conservative in the technical sense not necessarily a political sense, and prefer the status quo. Vice versa with the military. The academics are unaccountable, for lack of a better word. That's how I understood what Bletz was saying. Fred Credit and Hemi recognized both of these were caricatures. But, you know, it, it was interesting that he pulled on that because you can see those memes throughout the academic military dialogue discourse that's been going on 1971. Off and on, different tempo, different, you know, emphasis, different priorities. It's always that those memes are still there. And I think that's interesting that even at the points of convergence and cooperation, there's still this idea that one or the other is the genuine defender of American values and the other. And to the extent they are cooperating, it's to mitigate the harm of the other. You guys also talked about Letts' argument about this friction. It applies to wars following Vietnam, even though he was talking about the Vietnam War. We've seen it, including the Iraq War and other wars. What are the policy implications of this dysfunctional relationship? I really thought it was funny when he wrote in the article, you know, and all these guys come from academia to go advise on policy matters. And then when the war doesn't really work out, they run back to academia and publish their book. You saw a lot of that going on. But the question you have to ask is, is that really disingenuous? Is, isn't that the role of the academic, right? That's where I think there could be some more clarity in the way of exploring. It's one thing to advise. It's another thing to be accountable. In 2001, I think the military really tried to reach out to academia. We talk about in the article, human terrain teams, but it was certainly broader than that. Almost every major command had somebody who came from academia to advise them on democratization, national security reform, and so on. And all of those folks went back and wrote books about experience. All right, was there a failure to give the right kind of advice? Was there a failure to take it? Are these the right organizations to be doing that kind of thing? And then when you do go back and you know write your book, don't we want that as a way of capturing what we learned and increasing that body of knowledge? In a sense, everybody was probably fulfilling their roles best way they knew how. The policy implication is, We've got to do more thinking about how those roles interact. Where do we assign responsibility and accountability? Because in a lot of ways, it allowed the current dynamic kind of allows both sides to go back and go, well, and I asked the smart guy and he said to do this and I did that. And then the smart guy goes, well, you know, I tried to, you know, get in there and get my hands dirty with these guys and, you know, and help, you know, apply this knowledge to this particular situation, but they just didn't get it. And so everybody kind of gets to walk away and shrug their shoulders and wish things turned out differently without really figuring out, okay, how do we make this work? In your conclusion, you mentioned like it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't dynamic. Maybe that's okay. Do we really want that reconciliation? It's more like loyal opposition. 
where both sides serve a role we need the military and the military needs academics the military lives in a world where it's operationalizing ideas right that, that somebody comes up with a plan you go and you execute the plan the plan may or may not work out as it was thought of or conceived but there's a sense in which what you do in the military you're doing it with the thought that it might be executed academics many of them live in a world of ideas right so you're doing thought experiments you're thinking through well if we do x maybe maybe the outcome will be what we what we want it to be but the nitty-gritty of actually operationalizing the idea doesn't always happen the tension between the academic and the military is not a bad thing just because of the nature of, of the two institutions that makes sense thank you again this was a lot of fun thank you it was fun thank you 